everything's bigger in Texas, including climate change. That's why Houston is leading the energy transition. Here in H-Town, the fourth largest city in the United States, entrepreneurs from across Texas and around the world are gathering to work with titans of industry to build the technology that will reduce emissions and power a low carbon future. We sit down with those change makers and wildcatters who are solving the toughest energy challenges. With trillions of dollars on the line, we dig into how Houston will bring technology to market on a massive scale. Join us as we talk with the leaders of the energy capital of the world as they show us how the energy transition gets done. I'm Laura Cottingham, and this is the Energy Technology Podcast. And I'm Jason Etier. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm excited to have uh, Derek Adams and Gus Perez here with me from EarthBridge Energy. EarthBridge is an energy tech startup developing a long-duration energy storage technology. It combines the best aspects of oil and gas, geothermal energy storage, and this is a 24-7 renewable energy technology that really enables us to transition to a net zero tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, I'm excited. Um, okay, tell us about the secret sauce. No, just kidding. No, tell us how it works. <laughs> uh, sure. Well, hey, thanks for signing that NDA before, oh, we, uh, okay. before yeah, we got in here. And of course, all your listeners, right, will, yeah. uh, will have signed a, a virtual. No, uh, thanks for having us on the show, first of all. Big yeah. fan of the show, actually. It's it's really good. Really great, great work you're doing it. here. So, so thanks for that. So the secret sauce. The secret sauce really comes down to how do we store energy for a very long period of time, mm -hmm. right? So up until recently, the penetration of you know, intermittent renewables like wind and solar and the grid have not gotten to a point where you need longer and longer duration storage. Mm -hmm. And that's where we call it the geobattery. Mm -hmm. That's where the geobattery comes in. And so we're able to store energy for not just hours, but days to weeks to months at a time. Mm -hmm. And weeks and months. Okay. And that's, that's, right. that's, that's what we mean by long duration storage. So exactly. at, at my, the, the contrast here is lithium ion batteries, like the one I have in my house, good for maybe four to six hours a day if you stretch it. But really, right. we're talking about shifting things up to a week or exactly. months, right? Exactly. Yeah, up yeah. to seasonal in length in yeah. terms of energy storage, yeah. Yeah, and perhaps you want to mention about the current curtailment of energy. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the thing is, for me, actually, I guess we'll probably get there, but the light bulb moment for me mm. was when I realized that we were just wasting so much renewable energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally just, just complete, you know, flushing it down the toilet. It's like, mm. wait a minute, we got all this clean energy how can we be wasting it? And it comes down to a mismatch of, you know, when that energy is available mm -hmm. and when there's demand for electricity. Mm. And so, you know, California is kind of the canary in the coal mine when it comes to sort of wasted energy or curtailment, mm. right? Where, look, they just, they don't need the energy and they tell the wind and solar producers that are generating power, you know, don't Shh. send your power to the grid. Mm -hmm. Shut down. Shut right. it off. Shut it off. The, the turbines. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so yeah. that that curtailment adds up. So California curtailed like two and a half million megawatt hours mm -hmm. last year alone, which is like enough power for over three hundred thousand homes mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. year. So, so we need you know we need a way to be able to store this energy, this this waste energy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For when for when it's needed, mm -hmm. um, and and that's that's exactly what we do. Yeah. So, and and I, I know there are a couple of companies that that have also identified the challenge, um, yep. and they're using different approaches. Some of them are using chemical storage. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about uh, you said the geo battery. What makes it unique? Yeah. So the way that it works mm -hmm. is essentially we use that waste electricity mm -hmm. to withdraw water from an underground layer, right? Mm -hmm. A reservoir. I'm sure most of your audience is familiar with what a reservoir is, but mm -hmm. it's a, a reservoir of a, think a sandstone, mm -hmm. right, or a layer of sand. Mm -hmm that uh, contains non-potable water. Mm -hmm. And we bring that to the surface, heat it up. We actually generate some cold at the same time. Hmm. And then we put the hot and the cold water back down into that same layer, but in a different area, a different mm -hmm. zone. Mm -hmm. And the earth is a really good insulator. It's a really good thermos, mm -hmm. right? It can hold the heat and, and that cold in for, for a long time. We're talking months at a time here mm -hmm. with minimal temperature loss. Mm -hmm. And so then, then when either that wind and solar you know, that excess energy is unavailable or there's demand, we bring that back to the surface to then generate geothermal electricity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to add more color to that, you, you mentioned what's the difference between the, the competitors or the other players, not competitors, mm -hmm. because really we can count with, <laughs> with hand the number of, of players. It's the duration. Mm -hmm. That's that's The reservoirs are a massive storage vessels, mm -hmm. are ma massive storage vessels for energy yeah. storage. And that's, that's what we're going after, the duration. Yeah, long duration. And 
and, and, and you said, that I guess, the insulation or the storage thermos as it is, mm-hmm. um, is, is so good that you can, you can store it for months and it will retain that heat or that cold for that kind of duration. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, we, you know, the properties of rocks are well known. Mm. Um, they're going to vary from place to place a little bit. But in general, yeah, I mean, we are able to model exactly how long mm. that, that heat is going to last yeah, and, stay there. Yep. and how much, therefore, you know, how long can you count on that battery? to deliver energy yeah no i'm thinking i've been to the the caves up in austin and it's nice and chilly in there <laughs> that's right it is yeah. yeah um it the the fact that we're going down a certain you know to a certain depth that temperature then stays constant mm-hmm. all year so sometimes uh for some power generation the the actual air temperature because depending on how it's mm. how, how they're generating power that air temperature fluctuates throughout the year and can actually affect sort of how efficient that power generation is. So another benefit is that we stay constant you mm. know, all year round, all season round. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and basically uh, you, you have this heat, hot and cold, and this is a, a traditional like source for a heat engine. So you have a, a conversion system. Um, and I, one of the nuances I'm hearing here, here is you chill one of the reservoirs, and, and I assume that gives you a little more efficiency in, in the system. That's right. So. So the way that the water is mm. is, or the way that the electricity is converted into heat energy mm-hmm. that we put into the water is through a heat pump, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so a heat pump, you're always taking heat energy from one place and putting it into another place. Mm. And so the way that it, you could reject that heat to the atmosphere, basically mm-hmm. that that well, frankly, that cold energy. Yeah. So yeah, heat, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. heat yep. energy is heat, right? But yep. it can be cold. Uh, so you can reject it to the atmosphere or you can save it. Yeah. And that's and that's really what gets the efficiency way up is being able to save that energy, that hmm. cold energy. It's that, that's an interesting nuance. I've definitely seen um, other folks try to eke out more efficiency and one of the strategies was to make steam, for example, because then you mm-hmm. get that benefit of boiling water and the latent heat of uh, uh, latent transition heat as, as a way to store and recover it. But this is just another technique. Um, where you're trying to manage the thermal dynamics. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's very brilliant. It's a, it's a brilliant nuance. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's an efficiency challenge, yeah. if you will, and that, that's the way mm-hmm. we figure out it's, it's the way to address it. Yeah. And so um, when you think about the, the time for the business, we heard kind of like the, mar- the market is there, right? There's, there's this renewables challenge that is yeah. um, increasing as, as we get more renewables on the market every year. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a technology change or something There's a new know-how that allows us to do this today um, where uh, you discovered this is the solution? So without getting too much into, <laughs> okay. into the weeds, um, the heat pump technology has improved okay. over the last so five years mm-hmm. to be to give you the temperature lifts you mm-hmm. need, mm-hmm. right? That delta T from your starting temperature to your you know ending temperature and just the sheer scale. So mm-hmm. the industrial scale of these things. Uh, to be able to dump, you know, 50 megawatts of thermal energy into into the water to, to heat it up. That that's one mm. that's one for sure. And we're partnered with a couple of turbo machinery companies to ensure that that um, that supply chain, you know, is smooth once we roll this thing out in mm. terms of you know deployment, mm. widespread deployment. But mm. yeah, that's I, I'm trying to think. Gus, is there any you know other? I mean, it, it's the why now. You know, really comes down to again just penetration of renewables. Right? Yeah. We can't get to net zero on on wind and solar alone because yeah. we can't run a stable grid. And so, the long duration and and that's the thing. So keep in mind the DOE defines the Department of Energy defines long duration as ten hours mm. um, if you're over ten hours. Um, and that sure we could do that, um, but then you know we go into the thousands, frankly, of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and anywhere in between. So the system's very flexible. That's another kind of challenge, certainly for like chemical-based batteries, where if you want longer duration, you know, you need to build twice as many batteries. If you want twice the duration, you need twice as many batteries. Mm-hmm. And so that capex keeps going up and up and up as mm-hmm. as, as the duration increases. So one geo battery enables that capex you spend on a geo battery enables storage durations from you know hours to days to mm-hmm. weeks and anywhere in between and you know, the demands, the seasonal demands fluctuate throughout mm. the year, right? Because of various reasons, heat in the winter, you need more cooling in the summer and depending on where you, you know, what latitude you're at, et cetera. And so being able to, to adjust that, mm-hmm. you know, that system is able to adjust to meet that need. If you need to go from five days because you're paired with a wind farm and 
or you need to you know back it off because it's a really you know windy time of the year and you only need a few hours at a time so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's the other i think huge benefit is the flexibility yeah and you can decouple kind of the power from the actual storage amount um but and in many ways your reservoir is so large um that they're they're, they're very um yeah. independent right yeah i mean it's the size of size of houston right? yeah. houston's <laughs> a big city right think yeah. about a la- like a, yeah. a storage tank that is, you know, a hundred feet high mm. and covers the entire, you know, span of Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge. And I think it's in, uh, maybe a good time to add that uh, we have three national labs mm. supporting and well validating mm-hmm. the the process, the technologies, uh, and really interested and involved mm-hmm. in the process of mm-hmm. of making this happen. So yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the technical risk. Where do you where do you see the risks remain in terms of bringing this to market? Yeah, so some of the turbo machinery, I'll just say this out loud, is mm. a, is is TRL six, mm. right? Mm. So so that's going to need to, you know, they're kind of bespoke at this point. Mm-hmm. They are off the shelf, but I like to say that the shelf doesn't have a lot of units on it, right? So <laughs> so we're gonna, we're, we're, you know, that yeah. that's going to need to 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 have some work to you know get those costs down, right? But you know that's more of a manufacturing challenge. Uh, all, all the same risks, or many of the same risks that apply mm. to drilling, you know, drilling a well for mm. oil and gas, except lower risk in our case because mm. our mm. wells are significantly uh, shallower in mm. depth. So, you know, and what we were talking before the show about, you know, shale shale wells, and we love we love oil and gas wells because they give us a ton of data, mm. right? So in mm. Texas, it's a pin cushion of wells, and you mm. get all kinds of great mm. subsurface data from these wells. Um, but they're going, you know. 8,000, 9,000, 15,000 feet, whereas we're going maybe 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to get down to that first rock layer below drinking water aquifers that we can do this in. Mm. And that varies from place to place, you know, and in a sedimentary basin, you have tons of options, but even outside of sedimentary basins, you've got, you've got, um, you know, anywhere you can drill a well for water, you can, you can drill for a geo battery. Yeah. And so the, the costs there are, you know, cost savings are, are huge. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how you think about um, some of the business risks, because I think one of the, the challenges we're, we are seeing is um, how does storage get paid? And I think there's a there's an arbitrage opportunity when you think about um, uh, short-term storage. I'm sure there's an arbitrage opportunity with long-term storage, um, but there's not necessarily a, a mechanism in place to encourage this kind of storage today. Um, how do you think about it? So the, the way, the easiest way to think about it, it's just it's the same way a picker plant mm. it's it's uses the the i mean the, the commercialization of a picker plant which mm. is pretty much uh when the prices are high you turn it on and, mm. and then which is arbitration that you mm. talk arbitrage that you talk yeah about. um now i would say that it what for new technologies is a bit that's a bit mm. more difficult than for established mm-hmm. picker plant gas picker plants and and something we find very interesting is that that's exactly what a geobattery can do, can replace mm-hmm. fossil you know, fuel emission peaker uh, plants. Um, and it can be commercialized exactly in the same way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of like, um, furthermore, <laughs> what, what might make it uh, another commercial risk is the financing of mm-hmm. these, these mm-hmm. assets, right? Because these are not, these are capex intensive initially, mm-hmm. uh, but in, but, Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can recover that significantly quicker depending yeah. on on what area yeah and you're doing the arbitrage so yeah and and one of the things we know about Houston is um we we know how to finance peaker plants so yeah, exactly. like there's an understanding of, kind the, of the the irregularity yeah. there so for Houston yeah. it's, it's a lot easier managing the, the financing of these assets so yeah. that's why we're we're going first yeah Texas first. And uh, I know that the show hasn't aired, but one of the companies we're bringing on, uh, we brought on for an earlier episode, um, uh, is looking at how to provide incentives for um, carbon, the, the carbon offset that, that you guys are going to essentially generate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, there's only upside in some sense if, if there's yeah. a way to kind of capture that value of shifting the grid from um, a, a higher carbon intensity one to a lower intensity yeah, one. And, yeah. yeah. And if I can add, you can, we, there's also federal incentives, significant mm-hmm. federal incentives. Uh, in terms of I, you know, what investment tax credits, it's, it's, it can apply to, to this type of technology, yeah. which is up to 40%. Which is okay. Significant. Pretty significant. Very yeah. significant, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, was, I mean, that was in the IRA uh, for storage now. And for it used mm. to be, you know, for only um, renewables plus, so wind and solar plus storage. And what now is it's, in one project. Right. Yeah, now and, it's And now it's it's storage is decoupled. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's that's a huge deal. Um, the other thing, I guess, you know, on, on kind of on that front would be the, the regulatory side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, grid uh, interconnection can take a very long time. Mm -hmm. Storage, though, is being prioritized in many markets, mm -hmm. uh, certainly here, uh, but pretty much all over the country. But by the market or by by uh, regulatory incentives? Regulatory. Okay, for yes. those. Okay. Yeah. Which is really where the challenge exists yeah. there. Okay. It, it's it's uh, it can be very burdensome. I mean, we can it can be five years right, mm. to wait yeah. to connect to the grid. It's very interesting to wow. analyze yeah. the queue line yeah. of producers or, or solar farms, wind farms in the waiting in the line for years just hmm. to. But because there's so many yeah. in the list, yeah, and there's so only so many the grid can take. So yeah, and one of the things I liked is uh, about this technology and and, and where uh, you live is you can put it anywhere. Uh, you can you can drill a, a water well. I think is one of the things I saw, yeah. and um, this must make the kind of the project finance aspect simpler in some ways because you can overlay your Arc GIS data of where the the known drilling um, is and yep. um, where the grid interconnects are. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's got to be, you know, a, a good alternative to some other technologies. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And it's you can put it where the demand is, right? Yeah. So you avoid transmission congestion, mm -hmm. transmission build out, that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you I mean, can it, place it, but in but yeah, in the, where the demand is or where the excess is. <laughs> it mm -hmm. depends on you can build a strategy based mm -hmm. on that, depending on on the case. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's got a small footprint, right? All yeah. the actions taking place underground, and yeah. so you know you can build the fac facilities. Five acres, maybe at most. I don't know how what that is. So how many football fields is that? No. Uh, <laughs> five acres. No, I, this is this is like the the size of the Ion District downtown. That's yeah, I mean, so it. that that yeah. can be, you know, yeah. of course, if you're in like the heart of a city, five yeah. acre, you're not going to get five acres, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, but compared to you know, other you know, wind, solar, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. that are just huge. Right? Met, yeah, those wind yep. farms that you, you just drive and drive. <laughs> oh man, I was um I was driving back from I was driving to uh. It was Death Valley uh, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, we're coming like down the mountains, and there's this massive just solar field along the highway, and I was amazed. Um, that's the right place to put it, but it's yeah. just huge, and, and we were still far away from it um, um, on the highway. But that, that's how far away you have to put some of these assets because of how big they are. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. How big they are, and then and where the resource is. Yep. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. where the wind or where the sun is. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I, I dig a little more into um, how you guys decided now is the time to start this business. I think we heard the story about kind of the market dynamics, but um, there's always that time where you raise your hand and say, I'm going to be the founder. Uh, and so I'd love to hear, um, Derek, like how you, you know, how you came about that realization. Yeah. I mean, I, probably for some folks that, or a lot of t a lot of folks tell the story of there's that one time, yeah. right? For me, it, it, it was a series of I think small events. You know, I think it wasn't. It wasn't. I woke up one day and said, "Ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a company." It was just a lot of little things. I think that added up. You know, I mentioned earlier the just the all of the waste. For me, that was what just mm. kind of ate at me mm -hmm. in the back of my head all the time. It was like, "Holy cow!" How, I just it still blows my mind how much we're wasting in terms of, of clean energy. And so, putting putting a reservoir together just because that's that's what you know that's where my my head was at for ten years. Putting that together with with storage, I said, "Hey, this is uh, this is something actually." So, full disclosure, I keep a Gmail draft mm -hmm. called "Crazy Ideas," and mm -hmm. and I and I just you know wake up in the middle of the night, I've got a crazy idea, mm -hmm. and you know instead of a pen and paper, pad and paper, I, I put it in a Gmail draft. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hopefully I don't delete that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so so it, that's where that's where the list is, and mm -hmm. you know I'd bounce them off people sometimes, or you know talk to my wife about it and say, hey, what do you think of this, that, the other thing? This was one of the crazy ideas mm. that I think got the most traction with other folks. Mm. Right? It was like, hey, this, yeah, why why is no one doing mm -hmm. that? That's you, yeah, as you said, it's also a combination of things for me. Uh, mm -hmm. We have the geothermal renaissance, if you mm -hmm. will, that yeah. kind of brought sure. brought us together at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, the similarities with the oil and gas business and the potential that has in Houston. It's just, mm. just a big, big vessel. And and we met through the the GET organization, right? The, yeah, Global the, Energy Transition. Mm. And that that's how we all kind of started through that yeah. organization. Yeah. Just, so talk to me a little bit about the the geothermal rena renaissance and, and, and what brought you guys together. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so that was one of the small things. Uh, 
So Jamie Beard, who is who was out at UT for a long time, she puts on a, a conference called Pivot. Mm, mm, um, it's mm-hmm. an all virtual, free virtual conference that they were running since 2020, I believe, was the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was maybe 2019. It was like mid COVID. I remember when that. Yeah, yeah. it was like mm-hmm. 19 or 20 when they yeah. started, and I remember listening in on that and saying, "Whoa, this is this mm-hmm. is you know intellectually interesting too, right? From a scientific point of mm-hmm. view, obviously, you know what I was doing from a geoscience standpoint." has tons of overlap with geothermal mm-hmm. um and then you know it's it's a renewable and it has you know it's it's a tough energy challenge right mm-hmm. and and that that attracted me for sure and then seeing you know seeing the startups pitch you know and work work there it's like hey maybe i should we, we should throw our hat in a ring so so the the so global energy transition that mm-hmm. we mentioned get it's a it's a nonprofit. it's a fairly new nonprofit, and that is trying to you know trans transition um Oil and gas folks mm-hmm. and companies mm-hmm. into the energy transition, so they they help facilitate that, and they've got executives from all kinds of companies and stuff. It's grown a ton in the last mm-hmm. two years, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where we um, where we met, and I don't know, you know, kindred spirit, and it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. And from a skills standpoint, we complemented each other very well. Gus on you know the finance side, and, and me on the the tech side and mm-hmm. the business side, and well, also Gus on the business side, Don't the commercial side, commercial so. side, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you wear a lot of hats in a startup. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What one of the biggest challenges for us was uh, m- moving into the power markets mm-hmm. and understanding the power markets. This is not an easy task, mm-hmm. uh, and it's key mm-hmm. to before you you start building a business. Understanding okay, where where are the needs? Where where are the challenges? And because at the end of the day, it's it's a pricing and again pricing game, and it's a very strong game mm-hmm. uh, in terms of when you go out and, and negotiate PPAs or negotiate power mar- uh, contracts. So yeah. it's, 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 it needs to be very well understood mm-hmm. before. Yeah, in many plan. ways, it's, um, it's similar to like hydrocarbons in the sense that you're kind of shipping units of energy around. But um, the oil and gas industry has a lot of, sto- or relatively lots of storage, mm-hmm. whereas the, the, the electrical industri- and energy and industry is mark, like yeah. power market, zero storage uh, and, until recently. Or very limited. There's right? some, but very, yeah. it's very small and, when you compare. The amount of you know gigawatts produced versus oh, what's yeah. stored it's just and it's and it's much less more real time in some ways <laughs> right um and then the other piece is that it's highly regulated in a way that's very different exactly. from traditional um oil and gas um where where uh, you know oil and gas is a lot of independent you know oil companies mm-hmm. and so just the the way people make decisions is just fundamentally different exactly right? and, and there's a significant amount of generation mm. different generation types that mm-hmm. compete against each other so yeah Interesting. Yeah, you, you uh, and it varies, right? Depending on where where you are, right? Mm-hmm. What market so state, are you in? What market? Yeah. States, markets, of course, yeah. different yeah. countries. Yeah, all I have all their you so, know, different yeah. layers. So, what was most surprising that you discovered as like a contrast um, as you learn more about this market? I think it's uh, the regulated versus deregulated mm-hmm. markets mm-hmm. within, and, and you know how the importance of uh, ISOs or like ERCOT mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. those and CAISO and, yeah, under, okay. and the yeah. different rules that each one has is it's just it's it's a very interesting uh, playground can mm-hmm. we say <laughs> but it's a ground mm-hmm. it's it's really really interesting so, yeah, yeah and 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 it's it's really great because you can you know sort of the the states as natural laboratories thing applies or in this mm-hmm. case markets right mm-hmm. so you can th- there are interesting aspects of all of them and it's interesting to see how one system or what their priorities um you know have produced and then what are their challenges and how can we solve them mm-hmm. so you know solving storage in texas in ERCOT looks a lot different than solving storage in in mm-hmm. kaiso you know in mm-hmm. california iso um you know here not not just because of the regulatory but also the resources mm-hmm. so they're you know in, in they've got the duck curve out in california mm-hmm. because typically their wind and solar are fairly tied together in terms of when mm-hmm. wind and wind and solar are producing here in texas it's actually kind of the opposite we have a lot of obviously sun during yeah. the day um <laughs> but the wind the wind yeah. tends to pick up at night hmm. um mm-hmm. and then you've got other places of the country where yeah wind can can vary depending on on the season quite a bit mm-hmm. and so you know understanding how best to fit into each of those markets and each of those sort of customer types, you know, mm. how, how the application is, has been really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, do you have a sense of how they, uh, the two markets view technology differently? 
And, and I know you're sitting in a different seat now because before you were more on the technology acquisition side and now you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're selling it. So I don't know if you feel like there are differences in the way it's new technology is understood. Um, I mean, you know, California's got the tech history. Mm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Houston, and I think we're going to talk about Houston, but yep. Houston's, Houston's certainly, you know, getting there, but has, has, you know, traditional views that, mm-hmm. that may be a little different. Um, California, they, they're starting to, I think, kind of, mm-hmm. I don't want to say wake up, but, you know, they, frankly, they overbuilt their wind and solar, right? And they're, mm-hmm. they're struggling mm-hmm. with how do you fill in that baseload. And they're trying to, in some sense, have their cake and eat it too, right? They mm-hmm. want to be clean and they want to be, you know, emission-free. But there aren't too many technologies that give you baseload, you know, 24-7 emission-free energy. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you fill that gap? Um, yeah, the, the, the ecosystems have been a little different. But I don't know. And now I'm going to contradict what I just said. Because also <laughs> in Texas, there's a ton of startups and a ton of innovation too. I'm just yeah. kind of thinking as I'm talking here. And, and uh, there, there are some differences, but I, I think that, you know, both places, certainly from a growth in innovation standpoint, Texas has mm-hmm. really got, and, mm-hmm. and Houston in particular, mm-hmm. is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk to me a little bit about fundraising, right? I, I know you, you, you have some, a grant, I, I believe. Uh, yeah, so we've got a combination yeah. of dilutive, yeah. non-dilutive. Okay. Um, we've been pretty good on, on the non-dilutive on the grant side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we were talking before the show, we're in, we're in a round now mm-hmm. um, for an next raise. And uh, if any of your if any of your listeners are investors, feel free to <laughs> feel free to reach out. Um, you know, can't talk about details just because yeah. we're actively yeah. negotiating. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's that's been fun. Yeah, that's a yeah. as as also we were talking about before the show. You know, uh, at least from on the VC side, it's a it's a challenge in this market mm-hmm. right now. Did, um, uh, without revealing too many details, uh, did you talk to angels? Or are, you, are you talking primarily to VCs? I assume you're you're putting together a seed round. Uh, if that's the way you're positioning it. Yeah, sort of seed series A. Mm. I mean, be, because we, again, before the show, we were talking a little bit about, about CapEx, mm. you know, for these projects, right? Mm. Um, we're not writing an app and we're not, um, you know, our laboratory is very large mm. and costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're not building a new battery chemistry that mm-hmm. you can, you know, do at the small scale. And so these are, these are, these are big projects, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, the scale that we're going for is is inherently larger. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and inherently requires venture capital. It does. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Cool. And and corporate. Yeah. Corporate venture capital. Yeah. Well. And cor- yes. Cool. And the corpse. Yeah. And do you feel like um, there was a willingness to? Uh, well, I guess uh, I'm curious if, uh, if there was uh, feedback you got from fundraising for the first time as as first time founders. Um, tell me about how that experience was going straight to VC. Uh, can oh. I start? <laughs> no, I guess. Start? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I will say there's two areas where mm-hmm. we focus. It's yeah. either the renewable VCs, like very strong mm-hmm. on renewables and, and green energy. Uh, and then there's the oil and gas focused. Mm-hmm. And there's a very different people to talk to and mm-hmm. negotiate with. Yeah. Um, so and each one of them have a interest for, for the technology, but they also have their, they, they don't want to, mixed together if you mm. will so that that that's a challenge so mm. so um mm. and, the, and then the other challenge is well the, the new technology thing and we're the, being the first time doing this and then okay there's there's a level of risk that yeah. needs to be understood yeah from a, and uh did you find uh i guess where did you find investors uh did you start with like a cvc list did you go to the west coast or trying all of them off yeah <laughs> we yeah accelerators is like it's a good okay. one that's a good start yeah and then, uh, then you have to add to the list. Uh, there's, there's two ways. Yeah, you look uh, online and trying to reach mm. the, reach to them directly. There are some that are open to that, very open mm. to that. Uh, and there's also the the more important, which is the warm introduction. As mm. you start talking mm. to people and, and start making noise, there one people talk to another one, and then and that, that I will say that's probably the best one, right? When we get yeah. introduced I mean, and hey, yeah. talk to these guys. I know these guys, and mm. and that's actually probably the best that's been the most effective way yeah. right i mean you know a handshake and a mm. look somebody in the eye right but uh, but it was tough because it was you know kind of we, we launched this you know, depending on when covid era you define covid era but i mean you know in 21 and that was still still an issue for mm. for mm-hmm. for the country and so the that was a 
I think a benefit though, because folks were used to doing a lot, you know, Zoom calls all the time and, mm, and yeah. you know, comfortable with that. And so once that those connections were made, mm -hmm. you know, the follow on conversations, you know, so we like, we didn't have to fly out to the West Coast. Mm. We didn't have to go to New York. It was, it was Zoom, frankly, mm. you know, that we did all the negotiating over. So that, that mm -hmm. was good. Mm -hmm. um, we're blessed a little bit here in Houston, right? By, by talking to, you know, this is a becoming quite the nexus of innovation. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, talking about some of the corps and things like that, you know, going mm -hmm. to rice events and things mm -hmm. like that are, you know, we're very lucky, I think, to have the Houston ecosystem um, and be able to do stuff in person. Yeah. You know? the, the ecosystem's matured in, in some ways, they are matured is, is, is one way to describe it. Uh, We've also had a lot of programs that um, have been here a long time, like the Rice um, Energy Tech Forum is coming up in September. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's always a fantastic place to see new mm -hmm. startups um, and a lot of good investors in the room, but also corporate corporate leaning, right? Folks yeah. from industry um, and in some ways uh, they're able to synchronize kind of on the themes they're, they're working on. Um, but it's definitely a good place to, to connect with folks. Um, so I'm excited about that one coming up. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think uh, uh, the way they looked at the the, uh, the technology risk? Um, did you find any there were any reservations or any challenges um, while you were talking to VCs? And and kind of to, to you know quote a discussion earlier, like you're not building an app, and, and mm -hmm. sometimes folks are um, uh, used to looking at that. So how how did how so, people perceive the technology? So it's, that's what I was trying to mention the yeah. two different groups when when you talk to um, you know green kind of VCs, mm -hmm. they're concerned about the drilling. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's yeah. an area. And, and on the other side, when you talk to, to the oil and gas, they're concerned about the electricity production and the mm. commercialization of that and how's that gonna work. So it again, it depends on who you're talking to. Mm. You have to address. Some folks are con concerned about some topics, the other ones are concerned yeah. about the other, the other topic. A lot easier to talk to oil and gas venture capital mm -hmm. When you're talking about drilling and, mm -hmm. and uh, reaching reservoirs, yeah. targets and that kind of stuff. Yeah. A lot of times they come from the industry and, and know exactly how to control these things. Yeah, risks, exactly. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. They're very, very familiar. Um, but you know, it's just you just got to do a good job of explaining Explain, what you're doing yeah. and say, you know, talk talk about how, what the risks are. You know, being fully transparent with everything and these are how you mitigate them. You know, with well-established methods. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You just got to work through it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's funny when I was um, fundraising, gosh, t ten years ago, um, there was a, a lot of, uh, I guess, a misconception sometimes that uh, if, if uh, you came from oil and gas, it couldn't be green. Mm. And I don't know if you guys found that uh, when when talking to climate investors, do, do they have hangups about the fact that you guys come out of industry? Ah, uh, not to our face, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do you think that's a change in way people perceive like the energy transition, or uh, you know? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, it, I, I would like I would like to think so that you know the, the oil and gas industry is full mm. of extremely you know dedicated you know tons of talent, mm. a powerhouse right of mm. of innovative minds. And guess what? They can care about the environment too. Yeah. Right. Like so. So I think I think so. I mean, I don't know, Gus. I mean, did you? He's Gus is always okay. So we do a lot of Zoom, right? <laughs> and yeah. and he uh, apparently I'm oblivious to what people's faces are doing on the other end of oh, the call. It, and Gus hard. is always he after the I'm call. Very analytical. You're, you're, you're watching yeah, to see you're right, respond right. to a comment. He yeah. has he you know we'll do a download right yeah. between us after a call, and he's like, oh, did you see their face when they did that? Because I think that they thought this. I'm like, oh man, no, I I, I did not see that. So mm. thank you, thank you, Gus, for being the uh, the observant <laughs> one. But uh, so I don't know, Gus. What do you think? Do, have you, did you get that sense from, you know, certainly, I mean, we've talked to a lot of different investors. So I'm trying to think if there are any that really gave us a hard time. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not, mm. not a hard time. Sometimes I do feel when, when you, we don't, did they ask us, do you do, you do fracking? That's, mm. that's the first question we get. Yeah. Or, and, and we don't, to be clear, but, but that topic, it's, it's a bit misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to change the word maybe yeah, and yeah. just call it stimulation or something. But some investors are very adverse to that mm, word mm -hmm. and, and, and the implication of that could yeah. represent in their mindset. Yeah. But yeah, that that's one topic that usually yeah. gets. It's, it's funny you mentioned, I do have a company I've, I've worked with who does geothermal, does do uh, fracking stimulation. 
for geothermal wells. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's certain folks who just won't won't yeah. take a serious look at them because that that crossover and it's it's, right. a, it's a technology process. It doesn't necessarily it's, exactly. mean it's a exactly. it's it's a specific use case. But it, it's funny how that um, perception lingers and yeah. that perception lingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, so, so. I appreciate that. It, I think this is an interesting dynamic too, uh, where you talk about kind of having two people in the room when you fundraise, especially on Zoom. Um, I think uh, you know they always talk about. With starting teams, you got, you kind of need to split up responsibilities because there's too much to do. You can't be in every meeting together mm-hmm. doing everything. But when you're doing fundraising, it is very helpful to have someone always present and then someone else kind yeah. of take the notes and look at how Observe. people respond. Because mm-hmm. it, it is so hard to to be in a pitch mode because you're always trying to sell. Yeah. Um, and sometimes <laughs> you need someone to listen and it's hard to do both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't um, overstate how valuable that is in terms of debrief later. Um, yeah. Because uh, it, it's hard to do both simultaneously. It is. I mean, it's a learned skill, right? Yeah. You, you you practice, right? You just got to keep keep working at it mm-hmm. uh, to to adjust on the fly, right? Yep. To to what somebody is. In my case, I guess list hopefully listening at least to maybe not looking at their face too hard. But yeah. Like listening yeah. to what their question, what are their questions, you, and how are they asking them? Yeah. Well, you also need a plan to intervene when. It's like, <laughs> yes. No, this is, no, we this have what signals. We actually, yeah, stuff. we have our, our like. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Thank you but, for. Uh, it's yeah, interesting. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dinner. We we've got it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fun pitching. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Fun. I love getting up there and selling. This is why this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. It's, it's some go better than others, right? I mean, yeah. for sure, right? Sometimes it just falls flat, and it's clear that nope, they're not, they're not with be, it, or they don't get it, or whatever it is. And hey, move on. Move okay. on. That's just how it goes. Yeah, exactly. this game. Yeah. Um. So tell tell me a little bit about some things that haven't gone well, where you learned something. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so failure is how you move forward. Right? Yeah. So that's. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we, I'm a big growth mindset kind of. We have, we have some of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of yes. course. As an entrepreneur, you gotta have some of those. Yeah. So pick, picking one, let's see. I, so a, sort of a technical challenge, I guess you could call it a failure that then connected to a lot, you know, connected to fundraising and, mm. and, and other things is, has to do with the early, some of the early designs of the geo battery mm. um, were so the, okay, let me preface this. When you convert electricity to heat and go back again, it's you lose it's it's you know you lose efficiency, mm-hmm. right? And so there's you're probably familiar with round trip efficiency, mm-hmm. which is essentially the total electricity you put into a battery versus how much is lost out. and how much you get back out, right? Um, you know, lithium ion batteries are really efficient, you know, eighty percent efficient, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that was frankly a sticking point is that our round trip efficiency was. Too low. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a non-starter mm-hmm. with a lot of folks. You tell them, and they'd be like, "All right, well, thanks very much." And so that was, you know, an early, an early, I guess, failure, early learning mm-hmm. that we took to heart and just, just grind, ground on it, grinded mm-hmm. on it f- internally, um, and then with with the, with the labs, with the net, with the three labs that we're working with, national labs, to to get it to a point where. Wow! Now the system is is in a, a very competitive place, and so we're 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 really happy with that. And you know, mm-hmm. combined with the with the long duration aspects, um, you know, I think we're very yeah. very competitive. But mm-hmm. I don't know, Gus. Is there another? I mean, that was a that was oh, a big that, one. That was, a big, that was kind that was of a, a that was a big learning because yeah. we we did pitch with yeah. the, the wrong round with the wrong numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 yeah, that was a hard to yeah. hard but, to solve. But but it, it made us better. It made us better. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. now our solution it's. it's up to 65 round trip mm-hmm. efficiency, which is very good. And then, um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and what's something, uh, Gus, you think you've uh, learned that maybe it's different? Uh, different from the te- on this technology case or, 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 or yeah, from, from this case, yeah. You have to reveal I, all your I, failures. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm yeah. putting Gus on the yeah, spot. This yeah. Is <laughs> yeah, for me, it was a bit difficult because I'm not the technical guy. Yeah. And I, I went. I, we were going with the first, the first pitch. where I was going all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna, and then realizing, oops, we're doing, we're, we're not getting the response we were mm-hmm. expecting. Uh, so that was, and and how do we solve this? It's mm-hmm. not an easy fix. Um, so we, yeah, we had a lot of conversations. It was not easy, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with, among co-founders. And then, but we found a way. We found yeah. a way, and then that's I think we're kind of blessing away, right? Sure. I mean, and that, you know, that as a, that was a technical kind of challenge, mm-hmm. um, but that 
connected and had ramifications then. So we had to work on on the commercial side. You know, yeah. Gus is extremely creative with how how we're working a lot of these revenue models models and things like that yeah. to to make sure that 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 hmm. you know round. Yeah. You can't use one metric to define everything, right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah. that happens. It happens in business, mm-hmm. you know, with like discounted cash flow rate or something. You know, everyone's like, well, what's the number? And, and you kind of anchor on that and kind of forget about the whole package. Um, and so, so I think making sure that that number then sort of jived with all the other stuff that we were working um, yeah. was pretty. Because the whole point of arbitrage in some ways is um, buy low, sell high. And if you're, sure. you're mm-hmm. selling at a high enough multiple, doesn't matter what your efficiency is in, in yeah. some ways. Right? That, yeah, but they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want, you know, folks didn't want to hear it. Especially yeah. when you have other technologies that are doing higher. So yeah. we were like, okay, you're doing this, but we're not even listening <clears> to you. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I was reminded of, you had like the megahertz wars and computers way back in the mm-hmm. day. And they're like, well, my Pentium 4 has, you know, whatever megahertz and like, but now nobody cares about that. <laughs> yeah, like nobody yeah, knows exactly. what your That's megahertz exactly of your gigahertz of your processors are. Yeah. So I don't know, it's kind of funny. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Houston, you, you obviously, you guys came from industry, um, mm-hmm. and, and you decided to stay in Houston. Um, tell us a, a little bit why, uh, did you even look at other locations, uh, when thinking about building the business? Not seriously. Not really. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess, again, part of it was we were, you know, doing everything remote mm-hmm. so that it was, we were very effective. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to, you know, go places and. Yeah, we were here already, I guess, but gosh, Houston has a ton to offer mm. um, in, you know, not, not just on the business side, but like for our families, right? Mm. So like, we really love Houston. We love Texas. We spend a lot of time here and um, I don't know. I mean, we put down roots and we didn't want to, we didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you? Yeah. I'm even a rodeo fan. So. Oh, <laughs> yes. I saw yeah. in your profile, you're a rancher. Yeah. yeah. Please tell me more about that. And where is the ranch? <laughs> I want to know everything. <laughs> So uh, I, I'm originally from Venezuela, okay. and then um, I got the cattle bug from mm. the family. So mm. it's actually a funny, very funny story because it started while I was doing the MS150. Mm. When That's I, the bike race. The bike race. Yeah. I was just practicing in Brookshire and all that mm. stuff, and I was just passing all these ranches and all these cows, and and the bugs started, and I started for sale sign, for sale sign, for sale sign. So I, I decided to early invest mm. in a ranch in my career and I paid out very well. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I have a small herd. <laughs> so how, how many head? 50. Nice. And okay. small, but small, big but, enough. But to big be, enough, to yeah. Big enough to, to cause some trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially when you get the call, hey, your cattle uh, broke the fence. <laughs> They're in the road. Like, what? <laughs> no, no. But, um, but it's, it's something I, I like. It's more of a hobby for me, but mm. I, I, I do really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's my go away, my place to relax and yeah, yeah. And and it brings me back to when I was a kid and mm. my family. So, and, uh, one of my first introductions to the Houston Highway System was uh, being out on on uh, a two ninety, mm-hmm. and um, just uh, there was like a, a cow that got away um, on the yeah. highway, oh, and, and, and they had to scary. they had to catch it. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> and she's like, nope the city no. the city is in the country and or or the other right. way around yeah um, but it's you can have a cowboys on your spill that exactly spill dial for that yeah 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 but some some of my neighbors had had that problem and we have we we all, all help each other mm-hmm. and there's there's a neighbor that's a bad there's a neighbor that's i'm the, the guy yeah, power market guy but yeah <laughs> but uh i don't help them much <laughs> but all of yeah. the yeah there's there's like another one that's they're just cowboys and they yeah. just do that and we will help each other so it's, but it's worked out well right from a commute standpoint so mm-hmm. one of our project partners where we're oh, yeah. looking to looking to actually do a commercial demo of this uh, mm-hmm. early next year is up in Nav- navasota near anderson uh, near his ranch they're anderson, basically the same same area and so um you know traveling up there is yeah is very going helpful. to call a station yeah so. yeah yep. yep. yeah yeah fascinating um, and, and so when you think about the the Houston innovation ecosystem, a lot lots changed over the the time oh, yeah. you guys uh, got started. Uh, what are you most uh, proud of here in the ecosystem? What are we most proud of? I mean, you know, te- I think that Texas and Houston in general, there's, I think that the innovators, there's like not a lot of ego, mm. you know, not a lot mm-hmm. of elitism mm-hmm. that maybe you get in other places. Uh, that's That's awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's that only makes Houston that much more successful, frankly. 
Mm-hmm. For me, and this is a personal experience, it's very diverse. It's a very diverse mm-hmm. city. If you have what it takes, you can you can do it. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. That's mm-hmm. for me the diversity of the, not only the the business environment but the overall city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great and it's it's a big plus. Yeah, I I, I think um, just kind of tying it together, you know, the energy industry like really pulls some of the mm-hmm. best from around the world, right? Yep. And, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of what creates the diversity, but. When you're kind of in this like um, like pool of your peers, like everyone's been is is really high quality. Like you can't have a too big of an ego um, mm-hmm. because you realize everyone has has come very far, has done a lot, has yeah. has uh, worked in some of the, the roughest parts of the world, um, and and it makes it um, humbling too to be here. I, that's one of the challenges I have with with being in the West Coast. Like I got I don't I don't like going to that ecosystem because everything is like the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost uh, like a, a a parade uh, when people bring out their technology, and it's it's just not for me. So that, that's why yeah, it's I a different Houstonian. different way. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a different mindset. It's yeah. a different style. Yeah. Um, are are there any hidden gems in the uh, in the ecosystem that uh, people should know about if if they're thinking about Houston? Other than Greentown, yeah, other than like, Greentown, <laughs> the Ion, like, yeah. yeah. Um, the ecosystem. I mean, th- there's just so many opportunities mm-hmm. to to you know network mm-hmm. with with folks and you know there's 80 breweries in the houston area so it's per- lots per- of gems right one, one good right so that, i mean <laughs> what, what's your favorite that's a, yeah my favorite brewery itself so, well okay so mine's technically <laughs> not in houston that's it's in magnolia that's what it's uh, lone pine lone pine is the best yeah i lone love pine, them yellow yeah. rose magnolia, yeah, yeah. my yellow favorite is the best they make smash. some other good smash yeah. ipas too yeah. by the way that you can only get there which yeah. happens to be on the commute up to up to the yeah. <laughs> to test site yeah. so and his ranch so we, we stopped there a lot oh, but nice. um under the radar brewery is pretty cool yeah, yeah, i like yeah, that yeah. that's the small they're right in, t- in uh, town they're right yeah. in midtown right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um but gems i mean i think that i think folks probably i don't know if they take it for granted or not but um places like the the museum districts mm. um so we homeschool and like we're always down there the kids are always down at the zoo or the science mm-hmm. museum going to miller outdoor theater mm-hmm. which is just you know free concerts that you can go see shows yeah, from all mm. cultures i mean it's it's an amazing it's just yeah it's just an amazing opportunity tell me about the theater where is it sorry know. miller outdoor theater okay it's what? it's literally it's... right there where the zoo so i don't know if you've oh, ever okay if you've ever taken it's an outdoor have, yeah it's yeah. just an outdoor theater. amphitheater huh. and they run it's a concert series they run all uh basically all summer kind of like spring summer uh, but we went there for you know independence day mm. and they got the houston symphony out there and the fireworks and but my kids went there for a uh, uh, was I forget what some kind of uh, Indian cultural mm-hmm. you know yeah. presentation and stuff. I mean, there's just it's really, mm-hmm. it's really and it's all free. Mm-hmm. Um, and you show up there; it's 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 built into a hill, or they yeah, made a hill probably. Picnic, <laughs> they made a hill, Houston, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so you know the kids can run around yeah. on the grass, but and it's right right there by the zoo. Yeah, and, yeah, and the Houston Museum of Natural Science. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I okay. didn't know about that. Oh yeah, you gotta check it out. There's a little train that you can ride that takes you around. I have the... been on the train. Yeah, so yeah, it, it goes right around okay. the backside of the theater. Maybe, maybe I just yeah. didn't know what it was, or I didn't realize they had programming like that when yeah. I when I oh, was yeah. on the train. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Gus? What are some hidden gems? No, actually, we talk about yeah, it. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, kid a little bit about the the mountains of Houston. That's what we're missing all right so the uh lone pint and then gus's ranch those are the two hidden gems <laughs> of houston that we need to pretty much <laughs> let's let's not advertise them too well, right? so, yeah. um so what are some gaps here in houston what, what else do we need in the ecosystem to support entrepreneurs like you it's a good it's a good question i mean you know the traffic no no seriously <laughs> yeah. not no not traffic. um well that'd be great but we talked a little bit about the mindset yeah. There are some there I think there are some downsides a little bit to that mindset to that traditional energy mindset, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is 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 the uh, you know a little bit of just anchored in oil and gas frankly, right? Mm-hmm. And which makes sense. I mean mm-hmm. this is that's what Houston has been for a long long time. Um but but I think over overcoming some of that um especially maybe on the corporate side mm-hmm. um is is a challenge for startups. I think it's been a challenge for us. And I don't know. What do you think? No, I think that that's an important one mm-hmm. from a financial perspective. Shifting the capex investments from oil and gas is going to be a very difficult mm-hmm. challenge. 
it's happening, but it's it's we're not there yet. Yeah. It needs it needs to fluctuate more too, or the mix needs to be a bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. And that's that's gonna be a challenge for all. Yeah. Well, we're only a few years in, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, no, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. the trajectory is is exploding, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely on the, on the right, right path. path. Yeah. We're on the right path. Yeah. And, and we know what, what we got to achieve. So we're going to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll start to wrap up. Um, what's one thing that you would want the audience to know where they could support you guys on your journey? So at the consumer level, mm-hmm. I guess I would say that. You know, here here in Texas, or at least in ERCOT, you know, you can you can choose your power provider, mm-hmm. right? So one thing I might ask and kind of pose the question to the audience is, when you purchase your 100% renewable electricity plan, how do you get power to your house at night? Mm-hmm. Or how do you get power when there's no wind? Yeah. Clearly, you know, there, there's still a large proportion of fossil-based energy in the mix, mm-hmm. right? And how how can we improve that mm-hmm. right and so obviously what we're trying to do from a storage perspective is to be able to do exactly that right enable wind and solar to to be 24 7 to run 24 7 so ask your power provider how i mean maybe pose the question to them hey how yeah. are these how, how clean are my electrons yeah. right and what are maybe what are you doing yeah. utility to to do something about that something to another maybe I ask for the audiences to understand what's the difference be- what's the difference between net zero mm. and zero mm-hmm. and keep that in mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that that's something that's not mm-hmm. not everyone understands and it's kind of like the organic message like people yeah this is organic mm-hmm. but it's there is a difference between net zero and zero emissions yeah. and, and and that's the, uh, the offsetting the, the, credits the risk and reward of like the the recs in the credit system Right, right, right. And so I, now, it, it, now that the racks are there, and we can get 100% renewable. Now we actually get to actually exactly, zero. Exactly. Right? That's the kind of next phase we want to improve our exactly our, our energy consumption. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I would say your audience, I mean, they're already doing the right thing, right? They're yeah. listening to this podcast. Yep. So that's <laughs> step one. That's <laughs> step one, right? Educate yourself and, and learn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a, hu- that's, that's a huge step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so talk, but also talk to your, you know, talk to your political, you know, mm-hmm. talk to your legislature, mm-hmm. talk at different levels of government. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, I, yeah. I was talking to, I know somebody in the biz and uh, politics and stuff, and they said, if you get a phone, if they get a phone call mm. to their office, they count that as 100 emails. Mm. Because someone, because in this day and age when nobody talks on the phone, if yeah. someone actually takes, it's you know, time. the two minutes yeah. to call, yeah. they yeah. really, it can make a difference. Yeah, so. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if they want to learn more about what you're doing, uh, they can find you uh, where on the web? Earthbridgeenergy.com uh-huh. okay. uh, is, or LinkedIn, yeah. Earthbridge Energy. And we've got a contact form there. Yeah, reach out. I mean, certainly, if if anybody has questions, any of the listeners want to know more, um, or would like to be involved, or if there are any investors that want to talk yeah. to us, you always have to have that conversation. Yep. And, yeah. I'll, and I'll put your contact info in the okay. show notes, of course. Great. I, I should have asked this at the top. Yeah. Tell me about the name Earthbridge. It's very, there's something behind that I can tell. Yeah. You know, we we kind of <laughs> spent spent a long time on this. Um, Really, it comes down to bridging the gap between you know renewables mm-hmm. and fossil fuels is is it's it's that transition and mm-hmm. it's using the earth to do it. Mm-hmm. I think is really where it yeah. where the core of it lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. I love that. 